0: He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got out of that one.
1: Oh my gosh,
0: that is amazing. Layup
2: with an iron into the hazard. <laughs> oh
1: my God! You had to deal with the golf course people too. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, and Sam Humphries with you. If you weren't with us. Yesterday, Sam Huffrey now a permanent member of the show. We are happy to have him here on the 73rd hole. Gentlemen, we have got a lot to get into today. The Pebble Beach AT&T Pro-Am, which has just a monster strength of field. We'll get to that a little bit later. Two courses instead of three, no amateurs, and yet that is not the headline today on Golf Channel, on golf websites, across the country, it is the fact that the PGA of America will allow distance measuring devices at all three of its major events, the PGA Championship, the Women's PGA Championship, and the Senior PGA, which we will see just down the road at Southern Hills, where we were fortunate enough to hang out last Wednesday. So, guys, what what do you think about this uh, and how it's going to potentially impact play at these PGA of America Championships?
2: Yeah, I think, well, it's kind of funny. That you know, we we got the USGA coming out and wanting to do things that are disheartening the game, and PGA is trying to be progressive and do things <laughs> that that I think would would better the game in long term. You know, we were talking before the show, and, and Sam, you made a great point of you know, I personally think you know, in theory, it should speed up play because you're taking out the the stepping off for the caddy and the players and a lot of the guesswork, but if players just start incorporating the rangefinder into their already preset routine of already walking it off, it can drastically slow play. So, you know, certain things can sound good on paper, but in theory they may not end up working that way. And I also, um, um, friend of the show Cody Burroughs shot it, text me a funny meme earlier said, who's going to be out there to make sure Patrick Reed doesn't have one of the ones with slope on it. <laughs> uh,
0: oh, yeah, Pinter, yeah, he's totally true. using slope. Oh yeah. hundred percent. No, I, I want to be clear. I think it's a good change, you know, but, um, Playing devil's advocate, you know, I think it could slow down play a little bit um, because, in, in theory, yeah, you just shoot it. Like these guys aren't just going to shoot the pin like weekend golfers do. They're going to shoot distances to bunkers, co- cover water, just anything back of the green, front of the green. Just you can literally shoot anything with a bush now. And, um, and it could technically slow down play, but. In reality, I think that it's a good change, and these guys use them 99% of the time unless they're playing out on tour or playing in a U.S. Open qualifier or something, so I don't think it's a bad change, and I'm kind of indifferent on it, but I I think it's probably a little easier and makes the caddy's job a little easier, so Yeah, and
1: we even saw last year, like in the TaylorMade driving relief, we saw it in the Payne's Valley Cup and in, in the, the deal they did down at Medalist, they were using Razor Lane's range finders lasers they were using to shoot the pins and to shoot other things as well I I don't think it'll have a negative impact on pace of play because I think right now, guys are still so precise with the numbers they need. I think right now, whenever Bryson and whenever Webb and whenever Rory and these guys ask their caddy for numbers, I think they're already getting the number to the front. They're getting the number to the pin. They're getting the number to the back. They want to know how many they have left. They want to know how many they have right. They want to know what the carry for each bunker is. They want to know what the carry for the water is. They want to know what the tree up the right side is. I think they're already getting all these numbers, but they're having having to walk it off and figure it all out in their heads. Whereas now I think they're going to be able to stand in one, one spot and go shoot, 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 shoot. And in 10 seconds, they've got yardages to five different things.
0: Right. That. And you know, um, these numbers are already all written down in their yardage book. These caddies okay. go out with slope and shoot them and write them all down in the yardage book before like in the practice round. So um, I don't think it's necessarily going to slow down play. It's just, I mean, the, I think the caddies will still do that, but then they'll just be able to double check during the tournament. I don't think it's going to change that much.
2: You know, so. one, one thing also I was thinking about is, you know, how it's kind of funny. I don't know about you gentlemen, but like when I go out and play, you know, I shoot everything with my range finder. Like if you're playing with someone and they tell you the number, it's not that you don't trust them, but yet out of your routine you grab your rangefinder and you shoot it. Yeah, it's routine. It's, exactly. So you have these players, like let's say for Tiger or Phil, who've been out there for thirty something years. Are they are they going to want to change their routine to start using rangefinders when they've been stepping everything off for so long? And that could break. I mean, we've talked about they're creatures of of, of habits. So you know, some players may not may not want the change and. You know, I think that you'll have players like DJ who will benefit from it because he's like, "Hey, all right, shoot it. What's the number? Okay," and he sets up and hits it anyways. One of the fastest players <laughs> yeah. out there. Then you'll have—I I don't know anyone. I don't think Bryson, Bryson may actually use it as kind of like Sam said, an extra set and then just add it on. So he may even play slower. And he might even be range finding on a ten-foot putt to make sure. I, you know? I think he's
1: the one guy that it, that he might play slower. Yeah, and,
2: and that and that and that's something that we don't need. And you know, so I think whenever you you weigh it on the pros and cons of it, is it. Is it going to speed up play at all? I think it'll be interesting to see after the – is the the PGA, is it the first one out of the three circuited the schedule?
1: Uh that's a good question. Let me look up the dates on these three events and see when they're going to be played this year cuz they're running out for all three. Yeah, so. cuz
2: I, I think one thing would be testament is is that now now obviously the core the course that it's at can be different. So I'm not saying we need to compare the pace of play at what Kia will Kia will be this year compared to Harding Park last year, but we did have the PJ there in 2012 where Rory won by eight shots. So, you know, we can go back and look on the history and say, "Hey, what was the average pace of play?" I'm sure they had that info stored somewhere, you know. We can see how fast did the average group play In 2012, compared to now when we have range finders, and you know, it'll be a good test to see. I mean, on all three levels, really, Colby.
1: Yeah, so I've got them in order here. So the PGA championship will be the first one to be played. It's May 20th, is the Thursday that it gets going. One week later is the senior PGA at Southern Hills. May 27th is whenever it gets started, and then the women's PGA is not until late June. June 24th is when that one gets kicked off. So we will see it in the hands of the best players in the world first. Um, And and again, I don't think it's a bad thing. and for the record, I think it's a great thing on the senior tour. I really do. I mean, these got Bernhard Longer, 63, 64 years old. Well, why is Bernhard Longer walking off yardages? I know his caddy does a lot of it, but I'm sure there are still times whenever he wants to walk off a certain something, well, we can give the sixty three year old a rangefinder to shoot his pins.
2: I, I completely agree, hundred percent. I think that I, I think it needs to happen on all levels. And you know, it's funny that you bring that up because I just mentioned the creatures a habit thing, you know, and um, all this championship players played on the tour for 35 40 years if if they're used to a certain way of doing things they they may not want it and i i think that'll be a good test i think the pga obviously is the first one so we'll get to see you know exactly how many players actually use them use the benefit of them and then you know like we have mentioned the pace of play I think that's really the biggest thing of this boys because you know we talk about things that hinder golf and hold it back and slow play really is one of those at the end of the day you know Taylor Gooch when we had him on he said that that and he thought that was one of the biggest problems on the on the tour as well and you know Sam you can dive into a little more I think that you know if we can find a structural way to make sure that the range finders kind of like you said don't get just incorporated with the the detailed yardage books and can be used to just get players out there and to hit the ball quicker, I, I think can be very beneficial. But at the same time, you're, you're really riding on a fine line if you don't do it correctly.
0: I don't think it's going to be a big problem. I think for most guys, it'll just be double checking. Now, let me ask you this, guys. Do you think that in any way, this is taking away from having a better caddy than other players?
1: See, I, I saw some people trying to make this argument on social media, and I just... I don't know that I buy that a ton. I still think that the player-caddy relationship is the most important thing. I think the ability of a caddy to talk to his player and to instill confidence in his player before he steps over the ball is still the most important thing. And, I mean, right now, if we think that they don't have accurate yardages, I mean, you're crazy. They've got accurate yardages. They know what the number is. Do they have to work a little harder to get it right now? Sure, but all the caddies do that. I, I don't think it's like, you know, Kevin Streelman is going out there and he's like, well, this could be 158, it could be 152. Let's just play at 155 and see what happens. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's happening for a single guy on tour. So I think the player-caddy relationship is more important.
0: Yeah, and another thing that I, I noticed, I, I caddied for Brad Dolkey in a Corn Ferry event up in Chicago this past summer, and I noticed that the caddies during the practice rounds, the, the thing they spent the most time on was mapping out the greens. And not only, like, they already have the Stracka books with the – degrees and um and the arrows on it and everything but that's a 2.5% it, slope yeah right but but what i'm saying is they they're mapping it out and saying we're cutting this part of the green off. Like this is off limits. You know what I mean. So really, their green is probably about sixty to seventy percent of what the actual green size is, and that's what they were spending the most time on and pin locations and things like that. I think that having the range finder is just going to help speed up play as far as just regular yardages during the tournament. So.
2: Yeah, you know, going back to Kobus' point in particular, I think that if there is a ter- if there is a caddy on tour who isn't giving the correct number, they they shouldn't be out there. But, I that's mean, per- nice. I mean that's one of your jobs is to give the exact number. And, you know, I think that kind of like to Kobe's point, you know, Colby's caddied in me for me in a lot of tournaments. And, you know, he's had to deal with my hot head multiple times. And I, I think that that is, you know, I think that is the number one thing is, you know, knowing when, when to – how and when to talk and interact with the player because, you know, there's times where, where a player hits a bad shot and they just need to walk the steam off. No one needs to talk to him, let him go do their thing. And there's times where you need to get up and say, hey, what are you doing? You know, you know, you know kick him in the ass and pep, pep him up, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, not only do you know that just from a professional level, you know, me and Kobe go back and we've been friends for so long, so that adds to that to that level of you know connectivity and getting to know someone. And to, and for me, I think that's the most important thing. And you mentioned the um, the green reading book, Sam. I think that's another important thing is when to help a player read a putt and when not to, because you'll notice that a lot of a lot of caddies, you know, some of their best stories are when they gave a player a read on seventeen or eighteen and the player listened to them and then they made it, you know, that's super beneficial to them. But, you know, there's times where like Tiger reading a fifteen footer on eighteenth hole of Augusta doesn't need Joey Lacava helping him read the putt, you know. Right. So I mean go go into it a little bit more Colby. Well, you know well
1: no, I-, I was just gonna say we're talking about place of pace of play with distance measuring devices. What do we think about the greens readings books? Because I actually think that the greens reading books are the number one culprit of slowing down play on the PGA Tour. I mean, when, whenever the three, of us, if the three of us went out, not right now, but several weeks from now when it's above freezing, if we went outside and played golf, what are we going to do? We're going to get to the green. We're going to look around. We might use our feet, a little aim point, whatever we want to do. See but if there's any we're gonna, creeks. We're going to read the green. We're going to read the green. We're going to hit our putt. These guys get on the green and they do that, they read the green and then they read a couple chapters in their book. And then they putt. And I'm like, do we really need to stand here and read Harry Potter for half an hour before we hit a putt? I I don't think that the green greens reading books should be allowed. I think that they should take them away, make guys read greens, and I think that's how you speed up play. Yeah,
2: I, I I I kind of agree with you there, Colby. I think that you know maybe the green reading book can be something that like it's a homework project. You know, it's kind of like film for for a football team. Like you practice know? rounds. Yeah, you know, it's like in practice rounds. Yeah, you can't. You know, on on the NFL sidelines, they have those tablets, right? And you scroll through, there's no video on there. There's pictures, you know, because they, they can't show video. So, you know, I think, but you can obviously watch film whenever you're not playing. So I think that the, the, the books should be used as, like I said, a homework project, get to know the greens, know where the pins are going to be, or at least assume, and then that way you know how to map it. But I agree with Colby. I think that using them in the course of play, adds a lot of time to, to how long it takes someone to hit a putt.
0: Yeah, and you notice it a lot in college golf. Guys are just um, totally relying on the Straka books. Did but you
2: use those, Sam?
0: I, I did, but I, and I think it's really good information. And someone who would be in favor of Straka books might push back and say, well, you get a yardage. You're not just eyeballing the yardage from the middle of the fairway. And it's they're comparing it to having yeah. information on the green. Um, where I would say it's a little different is I think that um, – once you're up around the green, on the green, golf is supposed to be more about feel. And um, I mean, I didn't really use it because I wasn't comfortable. Um, I didn't. If I was comfortable in a line, I didn't want to look at the book and then make me more uncomfortable. But if I was uncomfortable and didn't really know the line, then I then I might check it and be like, yeah, okay. Then then whether I see that or not, and then go from there. But it wasn't like I was Bryson DeChambeau reading every little putt. You know, so
2: you know. And I think the fine line there, gentlemen, really is like like when we have a yardage book, or at least me, I mean, I've made notes in it. I've written notes down, you yeah. know. So, you know, what? at what level of notes can you not take? Because Bryson DeChambeau, he'll just write out and write every single thing. He'll just trace it. Yeah, he'll just yeah. trace it. So then mm-hmm. at that point, you know, are you not allowed to take notes in a yardage book? Because that's a super essential part, at least for yeah. me, and a, well, playing I, a serious I mean, At that point,
1: if they were going to draw a line in the sand, I think that they would have to say, once your ball is on the green... You you're no longer allowed to pull the books out, I mean, book, books of any kind, because I think that's the only way you get back to true green reading and speeding up play. But but then again, that that gets to where you are drawing a pretty hard line in the sand if you do and, that.
0: And another thing is, I mean, the one of the first things every single player does, at least at the Corn Ferry events, I'm sure that maybe the PGA pros have their books already with them. But I mean, they go out and there, there's a Straka guy right there on the first tee or the putting green. You buy your Straka book for that week. And you have it, and and so it, part of it might be an issue where we're already this far in. Uh, I don't. I think a lot of guys are going to hate it if you take away the stack books. And like um, another thing, I mean, th- they're clearly making some money on those things that's, as well. That's so, a good
2: point. If anything makes money, it, it's going to last. And you know, going back to Kobe's point of the green reading books. Um, you know, uh, walking up. You know, once you get to the green, you can't look at them. You know, are are we going to have players looking at the book while we're walking up to the green? You know, and then at yeah. what point are we going to have guys well, standing? I'm saying
1: once your ball is on the green. Once your ball is on the green, you now you can't break the book. Well, out.
2: once your ball has landed on the green. So yes. so what if what if you're chipping? Then are you allowed to use it when you're chipping? Because that, that's cause... a good
1: point. I mean, there, there's going to be loopholes. I don't I don't think there's a way around loopholes, but. It, it just maybe you just say you can't use the computer-generated
0: straka books. You can make maybe. your own notes, and yeah. you just can't use the ones like these straka books. They don't not only have arrows, but they have the degrees like mm-hmm. that people use for aim point. And I think that that's what is a lot of, of the and, things. And that's what like Bryson has the become. Yeah. yeah,
1: Bryson's become so reliant on it. So yeah, y- yeah maybe that would work. You just take the straka books away. Yeah, and and you yeah. let you let guys make natural notes. Yeah, I I just feel like. If you're serious about speeding up pace of play, I think that's just the first place you go because on the greens, you know, y'all been to tour events, I've been to a tour event. I mean, these guys read putts for a long time. Yeah. And and I don't blame them, but once they get in the books, you know, yeah. it takes a while.
0: And I think that another comparison you can make there, I mean, you're now they're saying you're allowed to use a rangefinder, but you're not allowed to use slope, obviously. when <laughs> That's how it's been in every amateur tournament that I've played in, you can use the rangefinder, but you can't use the slope, you know, so that might be a general comparison. You can use a yardage book or you can use a greens book, but you can't use the computer generated one with all the numbers from the sky, you know?
2: Yeah. And you know, I, one thing that a lot of, a lot of players have mentioned about pace of play is guys not being ready to hit their shot when it's their turn. Right. So they'll start reading the putt after the other two players have already hit their putt and then they start their routine. And so you know, I, I think one of the issues, even going deeper than that, is you know they're looking at the book. You know, while they could be looking at it, while they're the other playing competitors are putting. So, yep. you know, I, there's a lot of ways we could go about this pace of play thing, boys. And I agree with Colby. I think that I think that the green reading books will have more of an impact on pace of play than rangefinders would. And I think mainly goes to the point that you made, Sam, about how they could really just add it to their element of knowledge as opposed to eliminating what they already have. Yeah,
1: absolutely. That's Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys. I am Colby Powell. Make sure you head over to the73rdhole.com. Check out everything there. you got links to our most recent episode, featured episodes, featured interviews. You can also check out the course that they'll be playing this week on the PGA Tour. We always update that every Monday, so make sure you're checking the73rdhole.com. Fellas, this week at Pebble Beach, it's typically Pebble Beach, Spyglass, and Monterey Peninsula. They usually use all three courses. They play on the first three days and have a 54-hole cut, similar to what we saw a few weeks ago at PGA West. There will be no 54-hole cut. It will be a 36-hole cut after they play two courses, and they got rid of the one that I think we all would have said, yeah, that's the right call. They got rid of Monterey Peninsula. They're keeping Pebble and Spyglass for this year. Also, there will be no amateurs in the field, which I am greatly looking for. to because this tournament, to me, year in, year out, we see less actual golf at this tournament than we do in any other tournament of the year because, you know, we've got to have 18 Bill Murray interviews. We've got to show every shot that that all these amateurs hit at Pebble Beach, and we don't get to see much golf, so I'm looking forward to the extra golf we're going to see this week, but I'm curious that, Sam, you brought this up whenever we were getting ready for the show. No amateurs this week at Pebble. Yep. So let's say theoretically, let's put ourselves in the position of a normal year at Pebble Beach. We're all three PGA Tour pros, and we have an amateur playing with us in our group. Who do we want as our amateur? Sam, <laughs> it was your
0: idea? So you get to I, go first. Well, you know, here's the here's the thing. When you're asking this question, you got to ask the question: Do I want to win, or do I want to have fun? You that's, know, so that's a personal. You got you got to kind of pick someone that might be. Might do both, but I think if you're picking someone that might help you win, you might go in the and have fun, you might go in the Darius Rucker route, or if you really want to win you might I might pick a guy uh, that went to my college at Tulsa. You might pick Dr. Phil. he might keep your head in the game a oh, little Dr. bit. Dr. Phil
1: was a Tulsa. Yeah. Guy, I did not know
0: me. that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and then if you're just gonna have fun, I, I mean, I'd go with Bieber. I mean, he's the goat. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> the <Biebs. laughs> You know, if you know, it's kind of like you said, it's fine line. You know, if if you want to have fun, I'm playing with Jordan Belford. You know yeah. the, oh the, guy, the guy that okay. uh, Wolf of Wolf Wall Street, Wall Street yeah. over. I mean, that's the guy you want to go have some fun with. You know, if <laughs> yeah. you looking out to have fun. But you know, if you want to win, there's a lot of you know kind of famous people. Like I know Larry Fitzgerald's a really good player. I think he'd be a cool person to play with. You and know, Larry Fitzgerald's won this a couple times, I believe. Yeah, he, he sandbags on his handicap. I think we 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 know we we know. Well, so.
1: Legend has it. I don't want to <laughs> take shots at Fitz on this show. Fitz is a good guy. Legend has it. Maybe his handicap should be a couple strokes lower than it actually
2: is. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, if if you're not trying to sandbag your handicap, then you're losing strokes to the field. You're, you're losing strokes gained on your handicap <laughs> if you are not sandbagging. <laughs> at the end of the day, you know. So, I mean, you know, it, it, like I said, it's a fine line to put between what you want to do and if you want to win or if you just want to have fun. So, you know, if. I would probably go with, with those two honestly just just for just for shits and giggles I'd say Jordan Belford for fun then I'd go with Larry Fitzgerald just because he's um you know seems like a cool outstanding guy. So. Yeah
1: so this one was easy for me for a few reasons. Number one, I'm a lifelong Dallas Cowboys fan. It's been a hard life, trust me. It's been a hard life. That Super Bowl we got to watch Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched Dallas playing any of those cuz I was a kid the last time they did. But for me it's Tony Romo because Tony Romo I could talk about broadcasting with him. I could talk about everything there. I could talk about the Dallas days. He's a good player. We'd have a really good chance to win the tournament. Also, he is, we we call him, me and my buddies call him, an honorary member at the Greens here in Oklahoma City because he's got a family member who's a a member out there. So Tony Romo, two to three times a year, comes out and plays at the Greens. So it's Tony Romo all day.
0: You better hope that tournament doesn't go into the into a playoff because he's not too expensive. Hey, hey,
2: hey. hey. <laughs> you know, I saw I Let's, saw let's fun- take it easy on my man Tony. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a funny video the other day on YouTube. It was every Dallas Cowboys divisional win since 1995 and it was 12 seconds long. <laughs> <laughs>
1: See, and I, yeah. don't even, I don't even know why we had to take it there.
2: I don't even know why y'all had to you, accentuate my misery. You know, fun fact about about playing with Romo, I don't know if he still has it in the bag, but in one of the events that Romo got into, one of the Corn Ferry or PG, the tour event that he got into, he was using Tiger's old method putter, oh, so really? that would be something cool to get your hands on. Really, so, yeah, I, like, I don't, like the actual putter, the actual Tiger one. Used? Yep it said it says Tiger on the uh, the flange of it. I yep. Wonder
1: how he uh, got a hold of that. I'm they, assuming he went up to Tiger and friends, said, "Hey, yep. can I
2: use your that putter?" And he said, "Yeah, the, uh, t- Nike made me use this putter, so I hate it. I'm going back to Scott." Here you go.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. when I see Tiger next year at Southern, I'm going to ask him if he has any extra putters laying around. <laughs> I'm sure he does <laughs> for for, yeah. for whenever for whenever Romo and I team up at Pebble.
2: And uh, yeah. hey, <laughs> we we heard the story. He he'll let anyone touch his putter but Char- not even Charlie's allowed to touch the uh, the elder one, as they call it. Oh, really? The yeah. Scotty? Yeah, that's what he said. He said I, Charlie may be able to now because he's older, but the story was that Charlie was a kid, and he was reaching out touch touching putters, and uh, Tiger was like, now you can touch any of those you want, son, but that one right there, that's off limits. Well, and uh, to you can't
1: Scotty. be getting, like, baby drool and stuff. I mean, what, you can't be having the kids spit up on the grip of the Scotty.
2: Yeah. you, know. you know. Also, a fun fact, I was reading about this the other day. You know the, the little red dot on Tiger's putter you see on a lot of Scotty yep. Cameron's? Mm-hmm. That originated because Tiger wanted the, the putter head that he had, and he wanted it to, to weigh less. So huh. they naturally took weight out of it by drilling that hole in, and then they filled it with red paint. So I thought that was a pretty cool, I I thought that was a that. Pretty cool story to
1: hear. Yeah, so. I didn't know that either. That's pretty sweet. Uh, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a break, come back on the other side, and we're going to give you the full preview of the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro Should we just call it the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro? It's still being marketed as the Pro-Am, but there's no AMs at Pebble, so we'll break it all down. We'll see which local guys have the best chance to uh, potentially make the cut and find their way to the winner's circle this week and give you our full preview. Stay with us here on the 73rd hole.
3: When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs.
1: Welcome back. Rolling along here on the 73rd hole. Kobe Powell, Taylor Williams, and Sam Humphreys. We are ready for Pebble Beach this week. What a great field we've got. I mean, last week, we had a piddly little 400-plus strength of field in Phoenix. We had a 394 strength of field in Saudi. And this week, Taylor, hit us with the strength of field for Pebble. Just one of the most magnificent golf courses in the entire world.
2: 141, gentlemen. Oof. And, you know, put it in perspective, we'll, we'll kind of break down the numbers. So, last week, like Colby mentioned, Saudi was a 390, just a little above 390. Waste management was 460-something. Your, your major championships, your biggest tournaments, your PGA Championship, Players' Championship, all those, they'll range anywhere between 800 and 900 depending on the size of the field. And um,
1: and if any of the major players, like if one of the top five guys in the world has an injury or something, that'll exactly. hurt your strength of the field. But right. typically – 800
2: and 900. Yeah, well, we saw it it last year, guys. The the Memorial, one of the first tournaments after the the pandemic, had the largest strength of field of a non-major players championship, which every rookie fan calls a fifth major. So I guess you could say every every non-major – or, yeah, the highest of any non-major. But, you know, to put it in perspective, to go from – you know across the pond so th- this is a really good segue into the Paul Azinger comment <laughs> dude would you rather win a, a strength of field of 393 across the pond in Saudi or win 141 at Pebble
1: uh i would mean question- i don't know depending i mean considering all the exemptions that come with the PGA tour win and it gets you into augusta I mean, for for those reasons, I think I'd rather have the tour win. I think the win on the European tour is a more impressive win. But if you're asking me what I'd rather have, it's the lower strength of field win on the PGA tour. I, Go ahead. Tom.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, w- I was just going to agree with Colby. I mean, any tournament that you can win at Pebble Beach would be special. Not to mention you get in the Masters. So I'm 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 locked in on that. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I, I th- think the phrasing
1: I, I, of the question there is important.
2: Yeah, well, because I think it depends on who it is, right? So like DJ winning last week. It's a lot better for him to win a strength of field of 390 than it is to win one 41 because yeah. he's going to be able to jump up a lot more points.
1: More, yeah, a lot more world ranking points. That's what strength of yeah. field matters for is world ranking points.
2: Exactly. And so you may have someone who like like we talked about, who 90% of the guys out there who are fighting for their job, I, I would completely agree with you guys to win Pebble. And, and also too, like you just mentioned, Sam, if it was at any other course besides Pebble for three of the four rounds. And, you know, guys, I've never been out there but I have friends that have been and they say that Spyglass is even better than Pebble is. I find it hard to believe. It's, it looks good on the video games when I play it. So, I mean, I think it's fantastic But um, but you know at the end of the day I think that is the deal breaker for me guys would be to win at Pebble but I mean you could double the you could almost triple the strength of field here and or you could triple the strength of field it would be just a little higher than what Saudi was a couple weeks ago I find that really really fascinating in all honesty
1: yeah I mean an easier tournament to win but I think one that still carries more weight with it just because it is on the PGA Tour. Now, obviously, again, I still think that, that winning the Saudi would be more impressive, but you get more for winning at Pebble. You, you mentioned Ricky, and that kind of brings us in to the local guys that are in the field this week. And first off, we need to give a huge shout-out to Bo Van Pelt. So Bo Van Pelt is using – I forget the actual name of the exemption, but, it, but it's like once you've accrued enough – earnings or you or you've done enough on tour then you're allowed one season when you wouldn't usually have status to come back in and, and essentially have your card and try to play your way back essentially it's like for, for all intents and purposes, think of it as like a comeback exemption. Mm-hmm. You were once a great player, now you have a chance to make a comeback uh, for one season. And Bovin Van Pelt is using that. He made his first cut in a while this past week at Phoenix. Actually ended up finishing T30 and had a pretty good week. Gained strokes on the field, especially putting. Gained uh, about three-fifths of stroke per round putting. Taylor, do you have the exact exemption? I
2: do. It's uh, it's called the career money exemption. Some of the other guys on this list include KJ Choi, Tim Clark, Luke Donald, Jim Furyk, um, Jerry Kelly, um, Hunter Mahan, Steve Stricker, David Tom's the note here says players among the top 50 in career earnings as of the end of the preceding season may elect to use a one-time exemption for the next season. B uh, B, so I guess it's the other option. Players among the top 25 in career earnings as of the end of the preseason may elect to use a one-time exemption for the next. So I guess it's the exact same thing. Um, so may- maybe the top 25 maybe get to do it twice. I guess. Um, I'm not sure, but um, but yeah, that's the exemption he's using because he's top 50 in career earnings. I mean, that's saying something there, boys.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, both Van played really good golf for a while he uh, he also sparked one of the greatest sound bites ever in Oklahoma City local sports talk radio when Jim Traber was trying to defend him and, and Al Eshbeck. This was after he bogeyed the final three holes against Tiger at Congressional. Was it 2009, Taylor? I believe so. I think it was 2009 and and Al just yelled over the top of Jim bogey, bogey, bogey for like <laughs> 30 minutes. He just kept yelling over the top of Jim. It was unbelievable. But Bo Van Pelt is widely regarded as one of the nicest guys out there. Uh, I met him once. I know he wouldn't remember meeting me uh, uh, it was in line at the concession stands at Boone Pickens Stadium at a football game probably a decade ago. Uh, walked up and introduced myself to him. I know he wouldn't remember that, but Bo Van Pelt, nice guy, and it's nice to see him have some success uh, a week ago because I know we're all pulling for him to get back out there and, and earn his tour card and, and be out there for a while.
0: <clears throat> yeah, Bo Van Pelt, I mean, obviously, growing up, he was a one of the biggest OSU golfers that we had on tour and um before Ricky and Kevin and Uline and uh Morgan Hoffman and all those guys, um, he was kind of in between the Bob Tways of the world and the and the Kevin Tways of the world, you know, so I'm trying to um, see when he came out it, of the It Oklahoma was State. by the
2: way, gentlemen, it was twenty twelve when that happened. It was not two thousand nine, it was twenty twelve. It, when it he was twenty twelve, Twenty twelve when you had the duel with Tiger. Yep.
0: But, yeah, so, I mean, he's just been out there for a long time. It's good to see him doing good, and um, it's good to see a bunch of Oklahoma guys in the field this week there at Pebble Beach. I really hope that I – see, I see the weather this week at Pebble Beach being a big factor. It's going to be in the mid-50s. It's going to be raining on Thursday and Saturday, which could give an advantage to some of our Oklahoma guys playing in the winter time, they're used to it. They're used to the wind. They're used to the
2: conditions. And, I hate that forecast, um, by the way. I yeah. hate it
1: for for reasons that y'all are gonna find out here in just a few. I hate the weather forecast.
2: Well, you know, Colby, Kobe, you mentioned too, you know, you're, you've been out there and, and Sam, I don't know if you've been out there at, at any point, but you know, I mean, you can tell it's cold, especially in the mornings out there. Dude, I you went there in June?
1: June. I was there in June and it was, I mean, we were jackets and I might've even had a beanie on. It was, it was chilly and that was in June. It's February right now. So it, it's one of those places, everybody who goes out there a lot or, or people from out there, they say the way it sits, cause it sits in that little Monterey Peninsula mm-hmm. up against the coast and. Stillwater Cove out there, and it's like it just sits. They talk about the marine layer. You're going to hear the phrase "marine layer" about thirty times this weekend. Probably, probably, yeah, probably each round. Probably more. Turn into a drinking game every time you hear "marine layer." Take a shot. (laughs) Might not wake up. Yeah, you you, you'll have to listen to our show Monday to figure out who won the tournament. If you do that, (laughs) yeah. Um, But it's so it's so weird. The weather. It'll be sunny, shiny, great, and the next thing you know, there will be a layer of fog over you, and they'll have to suspend play for Fog. So, the weather uh, will be a huge impact. Let's look at the other locals. Uh, I say locals. These are guys with local ties. So, some of them from here, some of them played coll- collegiately in the state. we got Bo Van Pelt, Ricky Fowler, Alex Noren, Christopher Ventura, uh, and Peter Uline, and Hunter Mayhem. So, six Oklahoma State Cowboys in the field this week, and then two non-Cowboys with local ties. That'd be Michael Gellerman, University of Oklahoma, and Reen Gibson, Oklahoma Christian. So
2: And, and I'm going to go ahead and throw, you know, because we're trying to shout out the caddies earlier, you know, friend of the show Scott Toy is on Brian Harmon's back, so Absolutely. I'm definitely throwing him there in there as well because the caddy definitely gets more or should get more credit than they do.
1: Uh, yeah, I think actually, you know, as a caddy myself, I think the caddy should
2: get the most credit more so than even the player. <laughs> no, well, as you know, a caddy's worth at least five to 80 shots around,
1: you know, uh, yeah, or it's worth at least five dollars in the case of a guy like Matt Kuchar. You know? <laughs> we didn't even talk about earlier whether Kuchar's just not going to pay his caddy anymore.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, so well, I saw you Drew this week, so oh, did he? Yeah, he did, okay. yeah, along with he's DJ. Probably, he's probably a lot of other people with Drew. I thought, found that interesting he's
1: probably distraught that he's going to have to pay his caddy the same amount of money for less work <laughs> he probably needs
2: a week to collect himself mentally
0: yeah, K-H, KH Lee. KH with Drew Lee withdrew as well. well. Yeah, that's what right last week. Yeah, so
2: for anyone out there who filled out your DraftKings lineup on Monday afternoon or Monday <laughs> evening, make sure to get back in there and change because I had DJ in my first lineup, and if I still had him there, I, it would not have been good. So
0: so let's do this. Let's all make a pick uh, out of those Oklahoma guys for this week. As to um, who finishes lowest? As to who finishes lowest. I like it. I, you want to go first? Is it your idea? Well, I'll go. No, with, no
1: overlap, by the way. Can't pick the same guy. I'll go with
0: Ricky because the weather—he's okay. always a bad weather player. Um, and man, I really want to pick Gellerman because that course suits him. Small greens um, approach to green is going to be huge this week uh, at Pebble and Spyglass. Um, Taylor. Local guy,
2: man, I'm
1: just just give us one (laughs) lowest score wins. Give us
2: one. You know, I'm just looking at the list off the top of my head. I'd have to go with Alex Norn. but a a a sleeper to look at there. I wouldn't be surprised if Uline had a decent week.
1: If Uline had a decent week, okay, yeah, Uline has played decent here in the past. Uh, I'm actually gonna go with a younger guy. Give me Christopher Ventura. He played good golf at times last year. Uh, you been know, on a little bit of a slump. He's been on a little bit of a slump, but this is a course that, you know, he, he can hit the ball a pretty decent ways, but you don't have to overpower it. It's it's small greens at Pebble. You've got to be precise. Uh, so I'll go with Ventura this week for my, yeah. my local guy. I was
0: looking at Ventura um, earlier, actually, when I was making my DraftKings picks, and um, he's really been struggling approach to green. He's actually 1%. Um, Point one nine, I think, on strokes to green. So, um, you know, I think I, – I I hope he plays well, you know, but um, I think the approach to green and driving accuracy isn't going to be as big of a deal this
1: week. And so, my it, uh, my theory is that he'll have to focus so hard to hit these tiny greens that he'll dial it in, and he'll right, turn it around approaching the green. That's, yeah, right. that, That's that, how that, I'm justifying my Ventura pick. Hey, there you go. <laughs>
2: well, you know, to even justify your pick more, um, Kepka won last week. What did he show before that? Three miscuts. cuts. Yeah. There you and, go. And, and no form. So, yeah. I mean, we see it all the time. Guys can turn it around just like that. You know, Very so. true. You already do a little DraftKings? Let's, Let's do a little DraftKings. I was born ready until last night when DJ with Drew. Then I had to redo, <laughs> my, redo my whole line. Or until last
1: week when you got DFL by
2: 60 points. But we're not <laughs> oh. going to bring that up anymore this I, show I, 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 or did, throughout the year. Did I make the same amount of money as y'all did? Did y'all um, donate to the pot just like me?
1: Yeah, theoretically, yes. Yeah. yes. So, How was uh, that theoretically when it... That's logistically how it worked. No, nope, theoretically. So here's <laughs> what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We usually do a snake draft here, Sam. So right. we, we're usually just back and forth. That'll but make this it time, easier, I think. You, or- I think it will because we get confused as to whose pick it is. But we'll do a three-way snake draft. So I'll start. We'll go to Sam to Taylor. And then Taylor will make another one back to me. And, and we'll... Kind of like we're doing a fantasy football draft. so
0: And we can't pick our, the same guys? Or we, can't, we can. Oh, yeah, we okay. can on
1: DraftKings. Got it. Um, start, we just couldn't there with the locals. Starting at the highest or the cheapest? Let's start at the cheapest, and we'll work our way up, because I just want to get a guy out of the way. I, I need to get him out of the way. I, I, I didn't want to pick him again this week because he betrayed me last week. He betrayed me in Phoenix, but Brian Gay at 6,600 – has played well at Pebble. He has good course history here. It's a course. It's the shortest course on the tour. Distance is not key here. Brian Gay is a short hitter, so I am begrudgingly running Brian Gay out as my cheapest D- DraftKings option at sixty six hundred. Sam, I'm going to go with
0: Michael Gellerman at okay. six thousand. Local it's guy. A, yeah. yeah, it's a dark horse, but um, I talked to him. He's feeling good. It's a good course for him. And, you, uh, you play with him occasionally? Small greens, yeah, don't you? very yeah. good friends, and um, it, he's due for a good week, and I think he can make some noise. So yeah, is I being like
2: fr- it. is being friends with a player in the tournament, is that considered insider trading? <laughs> I don't
1: know. <laughs> uh, Only if Gellerman like top tens this week. <laughs> if he does, we're making Sam return his three dollar entry fee for the draft
2: <laughs> I love it. So so yeah, this will make this a lot easier because now I definitely know I have two picks. So you know my cheapest guy, Kobe, guy who I had a couple weeks ago, and I'm gonna go ahead and keep riding him because he's made. Two cuts. Play, played with them back a long time ago and out Joe me by hundred yards every time. Made the cut here back in twenty seventeen. Only played here twice, missed cut last year. But give me Brandon Hagee at sixty eight hundred. I think I think that distance is starting to come together and, and he's starting to put all the other pieces together. And when you hit it that far, especially like you say, I'm going to say it again, the marine layer will play a part. That ball's not going to travel as far. So I think the longer hitters may have a little bit more advantage, especially if they play in the morning and the cold day. So-
1: Sam, we, we were lasering Brandon Hagee. Taylor played in his group at the Transmiss Oak Tree National in 2013, 14, 12. 2012. I was close, and we were lasering him whenever he got up in front of us to see how far ahead of us. It was
2: extremely disheartening. I well, mean, on, it, on it, number
1: sixteen at national, the par five. I think we lasered him at like 95 yards, and they both hit driver. 87.
2: 80, 87 <laughs> no, yards. No, no, 95 sounds, but 95 it felt like 95. It felt like 105 <laughs> in all honesty. So you know, this next one's tough because I have two guys that are the exact same price who would be my cheapest. So I'll just go ahead and get the uh, the one out of the way that I think you guys will one of y'all may probably have. And that's uh, the defending champion, Nick Taylor. Okay. You know, he's played, he's played well here. Obviously, even before his win, let me get it pulled up. Exactly. I don't have Nick. I was 100 shy of
1: being able to include Nick Taylor. Did, so, so, I, could, did, I couldn't so did, get him in. Did
2: you want to put him in there? Uh, he was on my short
1: list. He's one of my guys over here. Y'all see my, you know, cluster bleep of a paper I've got over here. He, he was one of my guys on the list out of about the 30 that I wrote down to do research on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you were definitely making sure to get your homework. So, yeah, um, missed the cut, unfortunately, at, last week at the Wasteman. Tangent, but um, made the cut at the American Express, finished 11th. Where you know I kind of called him out for what he did on the on the ninth hole on par five. But even before he won here last year, guys, um, going back to 2016, had made three of of four cuts. Worst finish being 30th in there, with one of them being a top 10. So not only defending champion on a little bit of form and has played this course well in the past, I definitely think he gets to the weekend. In my opinion,
1: and he's Canadian, so you know he's a nice guy, Sam. Uh, I'm is? gonna go. I'm gonna go
0: with. Jim Furick at seven thousand oh, four hundred. Oh man, Furyk!
2: He, he might do what Scherker did last week.
0: He has some current form. Uh, so far in his last his last tournaments that he's played, he's shot or er, he's shot in the sixties six or er, five out of six times. And then um, and then also Furick is also plus three plus point three five as far as approach to green goes. Plus and in, in the past he's shot. Uh, below 67 four times at Pebble Beach. So I think well, he, that he a might have some as an good form there. Hey, didn't he? So, I mean,
1: he's led the field in driving accuracy multiple times, right? Numerous even, times. Even yeah. last year, the year before, he was still leading the PGA Tour in driving accuracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the last two years, he was at like 80%
2: for the entire season. Fairways hit, and, and and you know not to get Which too is ma- nonsense. not Not to get too much down a rabbit hole before your next pick, Colby. But that's one of the flaws between total driving and strokes gained off the tee, because you could be number one in driving accuracy and you know whatever in driving distance. You're going to average out to be middle of the pack, right? But. Furyk's going to be less than that because he's just not hitting as far as right. these other guys. So you know, for anyone out there listening who's looking at total driving, it's, it's still it's still a good metric to go off of. I mean, if you're last in total driving, you're not a very good driver of the ball. I mean, that's pretty clear. <laughs> but but at the end of the day, it's not an extreme accurate uh, measurement. But go ahead, Colby, your next couple picks.
1: Yeah, my next two picks. So I'm going to go at 7,500 with Scott Stallings. Now, I was between a couple of guys here. I was between um, Stallings, some other guys. I was looking at Hubbard, Bronson, Burgoon Nick Taylor, who I ended up not being able to afford i i had stallings in my lineup before dj withdrew. drew okay so the the reason what ended up being the tiebreaker is i went back and looked at course history the number of the, the strokes gained that guys have had at this course in their career and for his career scott stallings at pebble beach has gained and i and i i the exact number 0.69 strokes around Nice. That's tiebreaker. There you go. That's nice. tiebreaker. So, Scott Stallings in there at 7,500. He's played Pebble Beach pretty well. And then I'm going with another horse course uh, with my next pick. I'm going with Matt Jones at 8,100. He's a guy you hear from maybe once or twice a year, and it's usually at Pebble. So, I'm going to run out Matt Jones at 8,100. Sam, your third pick?
0: I got Doug Gim from Texas. I'll I I- you, Doug. I, I watched The Hangover this weekend. How random is that? I'll <laughs> be you, Doug. There you go. No, Doug Gim, I mean, he's had some prior decent rounds out of Pebble, and um, but I, I really like the fact when I looked into his numbers that um, as far as the guys on DraftKings this week, he was the only guy at 7,500 or below that was uh, positive in the strokes game putting around the green and approach. Um, so I think that he could possibly have a good week this week.
2: Uh, he I, is a longhorn. So we got to factor that yeah, in. D- D- Doug, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that, a that's, huge knock That's against one thing him we got. And I think that he's that a longhorn. I, I, I definitely I, I liked the Gim pick. I'm not sure how. I, I like Gim, especially going into the future. I think he's going to have a long career out on yep. the tour. So I like that pick. Um, let me see how this works. Let's see. Doug, and then
1: we're going <laughs> to give him our best
0: friend hug,
1: Doug. Doug.
2: Doug, there get it, is. With, I, I, not to get down too much of a rabbit hole on this one either. But have y'all seen the Hangover Two and the Hangover Three? Uh, yes, absolutely. Do y'all? Where do those compare in the first Hangover to y'all? A uh, first Hangover, much better. First Hangover, much the, better. the first so one's do, always better. Do y'all think that they should have? They shouldn't have made a trilogy out of it. Should have just been a one parter. No, I'm that, cool with it being a trilogy. It's, it's not fun. like some classic that
1: I thought they ruined. I, I mean, I still think the second and third ones are good. I don't think it ruined the first one to
2: have more, but the first one itself is a standalone elite movie. I 100% agree. It it would be so hard to top top the legend that it is. So, you know, my next guy, like I said, he was the same price as Nick Taylor, 7,600. Gentlemen, I'm looking here. I do not see a miscut for this pick going back all the way to September 10th at the Safeway Open, and that's Patton Kazire, guy guy who had – when he first came out, I I believe he played at Auburn and came out, young guy, he's very tall, was – almost lighting the world on fire. Not not to the extent that like speed or JT was, but still came out really good. Lost a little bit of his game for a little bit. But I mean going back here guys, I mean, like I said, he's he didn't finish Totally great these last couple weeks. He's 50th and 53rd, but going back even that, he's got 7th, 32nd, 10th, 11th, 24th. So, you know, he, he hasn't played here before, but for a guy who's on that on that good of form to keep getting to the weekend and get a check, it's hard for me to pass it up for a, a 7,600 price. And then my next pick, Colby, Don't I, do it. I, I'm telling you, you copied me. You rolled your eyes. Don't do it. I, I, I'm telling you, you copied me. I, you must have looked at my – well, I say that, but I, I had him in my lineup. I had this guy in my lineup because – I I really liked him just as much as you did. No, you looked at my cheat
1: sheet. You looked at my cheat sheet over here.
2: I mean, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to scroll through here. Since 2013, has only missed one cut here. That was in um, 2018. Um, even going back to in 2009, um, only had one other missed cut in there. Um, has so talk about a horse for a course. And you didn't mention this, Colby. Um, going back here, has not missed a cut since October. Oh, Matthew Jones. Very quietly, no one's talked about him. Uh, finished 30th last week at um, Waste Management, 48th at the Farmers, 21st at American Express. Um, uh, finished 11th at the Sonya, a good finish. So, I mean, you know, this is a guy who likes this place and under the radar, playing some pretty good golf. Yeah, yep. All right.
0: Well, I'm going to go with Russell Knox at seven thousand eight hundred. Here, um, Russell has had some good, great, great tournament rounds out here at Pebble. Actually, he's he's had four rounds where he's been uh, positive five five shots on the field as far as strokes gained um, yeah, approach so far in 2021 is um, he's over plus a half a shot, you know, so um, and then plus the weather and he's a European guy I think he could have a big week this week.
1: Yeah, Russell Knox, I, I kind of like that pick uh, 16th a few weeks ago at the American Express, 10th back at the Safeway in the fall but several top 25 finishes in his last six or seven starts. So my next cheapest option, what I give you Stallings and Jones last time so let's go ahead and run out the old man, I, I got to do it. Fill the Thrill, baby. Uh, Can me fill the Thrill. Hey, you said it. you were out on Phil unless he was on the Champions Tour. What has changed? I, I'm pretty sure I said I was out on Phil until further notice, and further notice is today. <laughs> <laughs> because, because
2: they're playing Pebble this week, a place where Phil's won, what, five times, right? Something like that. We all remember in 2012 where he beat Tiger by 11 shots or whatever it was when they were grouped together. Yep, so I it was know like it,
1: 75 for Tiger, 64 for Phil, if I remember right. Yeah, great day um, for us Tiger
2: fans. Really Phil really was.
1: Phil the last three years 2020 he finished third the year before he finished first the year before he finished second and the two years prior to that he finished second i don't care what phil is doing when he comes to pebble he's ready to play pebble so i i just you talk about a horse for a course i got to run phil out this week it's a little little begrudgingly but i'm running phil out
2: made the cut at sally last
1: week and then this next guy and and y'all might call me crazy and it would be totally warranted for you to do so because the weather's not going to be good he's got a bad back He's coming off back-to-back missed cuts. But he's also coming off his last six trips to Pebble Beach. His worst finish is 11th, and that's the only time he's been outside the top five here. He loves this place. He lights it up. So I'm going with the route that Kepka went last week, came in with no form on some missed cuts, and found it. Winners still know how to win. Former number one player in the world, Jason Day,
2: will contend oh this week at Pebble.
1: He will be he will be on the first page of the leaderboard when the back nine starts on Sunday.
2: You almost have to get an insurance policy anytime you pick Jason Day because the, because the odds of him <laughs> pulling out of the tournament are, are, are hot. I mean, it happens at least once a year. It's been like for over. The last since uh, 2016. I, I just, when I say he'll for sure be
1: there on the leaderboard on Sunday, you know how you can have like the little disclaimer in the fine print at the bottom that says your results va- may vary? Yes. <laughs> your results may vary.
2: <laughs> so, proceed with caution. It, so, you're saying that if he's not on a stretcher and getting his back warmed up by a trainer, he'll be there on top of the leaderboard. 100%. That's the disclaimer. That
1: that's th- what I'm saying to you. So, uh, alright, that's five for me. Sam, fire away.
0: Alright, uh, this is going to be my winner of the tournament as well. Uh, Ooh, I'm fancy. getting him at 9,000 300 i'm going with molinari right,
1: okay francesco Eduardo's brother. molinari
0: francesco. Eduardo's brother
1: as he's known on this I show. i know
0: i know but the italian it, stallion hey he's got his form back so far this year Back he's to got back a, top tens yeah back-to-back top tens um he's strokes gain positive and in pretty much every category barely below in putting um but as far as this week he's only played at Pebble one time in the 2019 US Open but he, he played well and was uh, positive strokes gained every every round there um, and so Molinari is going to win this week he's going to get back into form just in time for Tiger to beat him again at Augusta. So
2: I, I, you know even going back to your, Mon- your Molinari pick he missed the cut at the Masters but I mean he had such a letdown in 2019 it'd be hard not to it, it coming back the next year but the week before it, Houston finished 15th so there of his last four finishes have been top fifteen, so you know I think Eduardo's brother may have a decent chance um, to contend as well. Yeah, so and another thing with him, uh, I think last year that they, they made a big deal about how he was
0: moving cities. I can't remember exactly which city he moved to and from, but um, and then it was a big change, and, and and he took a bunch of time off after he had the hot streak. You know when he won the British Open and contended at the Masters with Tiger, and so he, now he really it seems, hasn't been
1: the same since the Masters.
0: Yeah, but but he's got his form back this year. Yeah, he's playing I, better golf. Yeah, He's definitely playing better golf. By,
1: by the way, point of reference for just kind of the strength of field here Francesco Molinari tied for sixth best odds this week, betting
2: odds. We'll, we'll get to the betting odds here in a little and bit. But one of the tournaments we were talking about not too long ago, Colby, he was triple digits to one, was he not?
1: Uh, within the last six weeks, Francesco Molinari
2: has been 150 to one to win a golf and, tournament. And, 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 and he's 22 to one to win this week. That, that's I'd be, Two things. One, there's strength of field, but two, the, the form like you reiterates him right. that he's on, and you know I'm I'm kind of gonna I'm gonna ride with a little four myself here, boys. I'm looking I'm looking at a guy who hasn't missed a cut. I'm I to go, trend here. I'm going with cut makers who haven't missed a cut. So you know and all good things must come to an end. So I hope that these cut streaks aren't aren't going to stop. But also this guy I'm picking finished 18th at the Farmer, 17th at the Waste Management. Has in seven appearances here has only missed the cut once. Nothing really too high. His best finish is only 13th. But a guy who I think's playing some really good golf, and that's uh, Cameron Tengali at 8,500. Oh, Tringali is playing good golf.
1: He was on my list here. You can see him on this this maze of names. Couldn't fit him in.
2: I, I'm not sure I can, Kobe. It really looks like a labyrinth over there.
1: I at at 8,500, I couldn't do it. At 7,500, I would have loved Tringali, but couldn't do it.
2: Hey, everything has a price, boys. And uh, you know, I'll like I mentioned, I had DJ at um, to in my previous lineup before he withdrew. And you know, you talk about the field, Colby. You got Molinari as six best at um, at 22 to one. And I scroll through here, and the the Second highest guy on DraftKings is Paul Casey, and he he won across the pond. So he's playing good golf. And he but finished 12th last week, I think, right? Casey did at, at yeah. Saudi? Yeah, yeah he, had a he, good, he had a good Yeah, so he's Saudi. playing good. But so you got a guy who's played how many ever tournaments over there? Now he's flying across, which I know some other people the, do. The last time he made that flight, he won.
1: He, you remember he played the American Express, he flew over, he won Dubai. Finished top fifteen in Saudi, and now he's flying back. So he won last time, but he might be a little more drained this
2: time. So yeah, so, so you're slightly making my point while slightly going against it, Kobe. And <laughs> I think I, did. I did
0: teed, both. Up, teed up one more thing on Tringali. The last he's due to have a good round there because last time he played there, he shot seventy nine.
2: Oh yeah, you oh. you always bounce back. It, so. It's it's like the anti speeth where he shot sixty one and went seventy two or four whatever it was. Whenever you have a round that's so bad, you you always play better than yep, next time. Exactly. I mean that's that's at least the logic I'm going to go with. So you know <laughs> I'm scrolling through here. But the the next expensive guy, Daniel Berger, at just a little over ten thousand missed the cut for me last week. So I just don't see yeah, a lot that of was a, that was a bad burger last week. wasn't cooked right. It, wasn't, <laughs> it, it was. It was for all off. It was yeah. a little undercooked. So the only. Real surefire Daniel. bet I see here, boys, is Cantlay. And so I got to go with the most expensive because, yep. I mean, you talk about not playing bad golf. Um, recent finished the 2nd, 13th, 17th, 1st. Um, going back to this tournament, um, did not show in 2019, but finished 11th last year. Finished 9th when he was an amateur back in 2013, I believe, or maybe just turned pro at that point. So good course history here. Obviously knows the California area, played at UCLA. So I'm going to go ahead and ride with Cantlay because he is – and since DJ withdrew, he's the only surefire bet at this point.
1: Nah, you're playing too safe for me. Got to take some risks. Got to throw Jason Day and Phil Mickelson in the lineup.
2: Take some risks. Well, you do love Bitcoin, Colby, so you do love your risks. You got to love <laughs> some risk, baby. <laughs> Sam, who's your last golfer?
0: I got Cantlay as well. It's okay. surefire. I mean, look at his stats this year. They're they're about as good as they can get as far as this field goes. I, I don't know if anyone can beat him, but I really hope that Molinari can, and I just think he has better odds than Cantlay. So, so
1: you know, some people like to, to play it safe. And then there are people like me. I've already got Jason Day in my lineup. I've already got Phil Mixon in my lineup. So why would I not continue the theme and have Jordan Spieth be my most expensive golfer? Oh, my God. You went Speeth? What are you doing? Why why would I not at this point? I've already got Day and Phil in the lineup. Of course, horses, baby. All right, right, Colby.
0: Horses. Colby, I I will make you a pizza bet right now. Pizza bet. All right, that Speeth is not the highest longhorn in this tournament. I think Gim will be. Bet. All right, so, so we got, bet.
2: we got a so piece of bet. Are there any other Longhorns in the field that we've missed? I don't, I don't know. Don't Don't care. No. So, so it's gim speed. It's Gim versus speed. No matter what. Yep. Okay, very okay. interesting. Very interesting. Gim so let's go back. You know, going back to you know horse for course ninth forty fifth. 20th, 1st, tw- uh, 21st, 7th, 4th, and I mean, he had probably his worst year last year, boys, at, and um, at Colonial, he finished, uh, what was it, 8th or whatever it was, so or 10th, I'm sorry, and so, you know, he, he, can, he can get it around courses that he likes, so um, I, I think he has a decent chance, and uh, who knows, this may be the start of his comeback, but we, we, we honestly don't know at this point, maybe Sunday was the kick in the butt that he needed, and he can actually get there on, on be there Saturday night, and then finish it off Sunday afternoon.
1: Yeah, and you know, with Spieth Day and Phil Mickelson, if you have a heart problem, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend playing this lineup. <laughs> if you have a stomach issue, I wouldn't recommend playing this lineup. You need to be at
2: peak physical health. Do you need to seek a physician before putting this lineup in? You
1: need to be at peak physical health to watch this tournament this week if you plan on running out speed day and Nicholson. <laughs> yep.
2: uh, just- l- Lord help you, Colby. You already got enough physical therapy as it is. You might even need some more after that. Yeah, I- no doubt. So I mean it's it's ultimate risk reward though so I mean you know there's guys, the, the, the risk well reward the risk
1: is the So past doesn't doesn't necessarily indicate future success but yep. uh, we'll we'll leave it there for now. So let's dive into the betting odds a little bit and then we'll get into our one and done picks cuz we're going to explain to you how Sam's going to jump in the one and done with us. B- best betting odds this week, I mean lay is almost double. The price of anybody else. He's not seven, worth it. he's seven. He's plus seven fifty. So basically seven and a half to one. Burger's fourteen to one. Big gap there. Definitely not worth I it. I mean, the, the value just isn't there. I'm not saying he's not going to win the tournament, but the value is not there. If you believe, if you are out there and you are a Spieth fan and you believe that he found something last week that he could potentially parlay into a win this week, twenty two to one for Spieth. Really not bad odds. Put down ten. Win two twenty. Put down 20, win 440. You want yeah. to keep doing the math, or can we stop there? We can probably stop there. I uh, probably don't
0: want to put anything down because Gim's going to beat him.
1: I probably don't. I mean, I'm already going to be out of pizza. Uh, you so you can't not. win if another long one beats you. So. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bet Gim to, like, top 10. Hedge way, your pizza bet. I'm going to hedge my pizza bet. <laughs> Always hedge, kids. If there are kids listening, the one lesson you need to learn today is always hedge. Um, so, scrolling down a little bit further to find guys that I think can win the golf tournament, Taylor, this is a guy that you said. I think you said that you had him in your lineup and you had to take him out. I've got him on my list. I really liked him. Just couldn't work him into my DraftKings. Cameron Davis is going to win eventually. He's mm-hmm. going to win. He's got some decent course history, albeit in a small sample size at Pebble Beach. He's played good golf here lately, and he's 33 to 1. I really the golf like tournament. those thoughts. I mean, 33 to 1 is pretty good for a guy in Cameron Davis that I really think is going to win at some point. If you're a believer in repeat champions, I'm typically not. Nick Taylor's going off at seventy-five to one. The only thing that really is appealing there is the number, the, the seventy-five uh, to one number. And if you are a big Doug Gim fan, if you need a Doug this week, <laughs> one hundred and ten to one.
0: There for you Doug go. Gimm. So what, what, what's what's Furyk and Knox too? Odds. I long I- I Furick. think Furick has a really good chance to continue Furick's this week.
1: 125 to 1 for old man Furick and then Russell, Russell Knox is 100 to 1.
0: Russell Knox has some good course so, history too.
1: Furick, man it'd be so cool to see one of the old guys win. Stricker almost did it last week. Furick, Phil both in the field this week, both can play some pretty good golf around Pebble.
2: I'd yeah. like seeing old guy win. You know, I think, th- cool. I think a decent bet would maybe a Furyk top ten because I don't think he I don't think he would be able to get it done on Sunday. Yeah. But I, I think you know you probably get some decent odds on him to finish that high if he's up hundred whatever he was to one whatever whatever yeah. it was. I don't, so don't even ask you know what the this. Top 10 with, would that, be, but... with
0: this weather forecast, do you think the course is going to play harder or easier? Because sometimes when it rains, it makes it softer and it makes it easier. But out there, do you think that it might actually make it harder?
2: Uh, you know, I believe, obviously, I, y- y'all two are the only ones that have been out, out to that area. I've been to California, just not that part. And if it's, if it's going to play cold like that, I think it's going to definitely benefit the people who – who can hit it far and, and the ball striking and and one thing about the wet that also happens to boys is that you get some of that gnarly rough out there and you get a little bit of dew on it. It's really hard to control distance and especially chip shots. So I think being able to hit the greens will play a factor. And you know, um, any time we got to deal with with poa greens, you know, get down Sunday and Saturday afternoon out there, you know how 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 how. how how confident are you going to be over those three- and four-footers? I think that's really going to be the main difference right. once it comes down to who actually will win the tournament.
0: Yeah, and and no matter who you bet on, your guy's going to have to get off to a hot start. you got to make your hay on those first six holes or so out of pebble and then hold on from there, just like our guy Andy Dillard did back in the day. Bib, uh, breaking the record for six six, six straight, straight birdies to birdies start the, to start US, the Open, U.S. Open yeah. you know, out of pebble. What a legend. What a stud. Yeah. truly is. Yeah, There's, There's some hard legend, holes but, in that
1: first six, too. Those are not all easy golf holes. Number right. two is a really hard hole. Number five is a really tough par three. Some hard holes they in Did they play two
2: as a par five or four for the
1: for the uh, aim, for Good the question. They played it as a four at the U.S. At the Open US a couple Open of years they ago. I think they played it as, a, four, played as sure. a five in this tournament. You might, might be right. I think they do play it as a five. So that so becomes a lot easier hole at that point.
2: Yeah. Well, you, know, you make the same score anyway. Well, you, you make know, the same just score, matters. but, you know, and, you know 22 so, under looks better than 18 under. Yeah, and,
1: I mean, you know, being able to say, hey, I'm the only guy to start At Pebble with six straight birdies. That sounds a lot better than I started with five out of six birdies at Pebble.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Or you could say, you know, if you made a three, you made an eagle in there, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, So, uh, all right, let's get
1: into our one and done pick. So here's how we're going to do it for this year. We we looked at the standings, we looked at the amount of golfers that we've used. Taylor and I have each used six golfers to this point. I've got 630,000 points accrued uh, with my golfers, and Taylor has got 565,000. So he's behind, you know, by. Not much in the grand scheme of things. About $64,300 is what Taylor is behind. So we were trying to figure out the most fair way to bring Sam in. And what we landed on was, let's bring him in at zero in terms of money. But he gets all the golfers nobody's used, so like Taylor and I, we've both already used Finau, Hideki, and Ryan Palmer. He's already used Sheffler, Champ, and Berger as well. I've already used Landry, Homa, and Reed as well. So Patrick Reed off the board for me. Uh, so, so we've got some big names off the board already. So one and done picks, and then we'll keep it from this point moving forward um, and see if Sam can, can catch us where we're at. Right, so, you know, like we were
2: talking about before, big bet. we got Canes on the line here. I mean, this is, this is no joking matter. Canes on the line. Yeah, watch Win- your back,
1: boys. The winner gets Canes from the two losers. So Sam's got some ground to make up, but I mean, you could hit a winner this week and and leap in front of both of us. So you are the newcomer. We will start with you for the one and
0: done picks. Who you got? I was thinking about doing Cantley, but I think I'm going to save him for later. I think I'm going to have to go with my actual pick. I'm going to pick Molinari Frankie. this week.
2: Yeah. Got, got Frankie okay. on the street. You got Frankie. Okay. I mean, you know, if, if you're going to pick – you want to pick someone while they're on the hot street. Because you never yep. – I mean, Molinari, he could get off this train very quick. So, you know, might as well ride it while it's there. And. I'm going a little bit off the beaten path with my pick boys. Um, another young guy, I think that he's kind of like Cameron Davis who you mentioned earlier, Kobe. I think he's a guy who's just gotta win at some point. Finished eighteenth at at Tory, so I think he'll have good success over and kind of, and then also finished twenty second at the Waste management, so on good form. And that's Sam Burns. Oh I, I, I think I, I just have a weird feeling I think he's gonna have a good pick. A lot a lot of the picks that you mentioned, Kobe, that pick. picked were some of the more popular picks and as you see, they didn't make a whole lot of points, so maybe one of my more beaten, kind of getting off the track picks will do well. Because, like I said, it's not when you don't have the highest strength of field. I don't want to run can't lay out just because of, um, like I said, we could get him at a, we a bigger purse tournament, and then you know the next best guy I could get would be day, and he can withdraw in any hole of the tournament. So, <laughs> and you know, just a couple other caveats. I we, me and Colby, do an email pool where we pick a one and done. Um, international and uh, U.S. guy, and the two I picking there was Cameron Davis pick you mentioned earlier, and uh, my American who I think is an, once again in theme of a young guy who has to win at some point will Alturas. Yeah, so I, th- I think those are a couple of good picks, one and done. Those, if it was a, if it was a three, or I guess what you pick, if it, if we pick three this week, those would be the three that I would pick. Let's yeah, put it that one. I think that that's uh, those, pretty those. good logic. Alturas,
1: yeah. I think will be a hot name this week. You'll see Absolutely. him roster. Absolutely,
2: he's in, uh, yeah. ball striking's
0: paramount out of Spyglass and at Pebble. Yeah. you know and. It, if he has one weakness to his game, it would be putting. Zalatoris. Yeah, we're talking. Have you about. played with him? Yeah, I've played with him. Okay. I actually I played kind of with tell, him. tell by the way you were talking about it. I, I played with him in U.S. Open sectionals with him and Phil Barbary, but um, I mean his ball striking is unbelievable. How did so, he play that
1: day? Did he make it through?
0: Uh, I don't think he made it through, but he played well. Yeah. And, and you know he's going to be a big time player, and he's been playing. And he even ever since I played with him, probably three years ago, he even upped his game to another level on the Corn Ferry Tour, and he's going to be big time.
2: What are his odds on the on the betting, Kobe? Uh, he's up there. I think he's better than twenty to one
1: in terms of odds. Uh, Zalatoris. Oh, I switched over to top. Top 10, by the way. Um, so, while I pull this other up. So, top 10 is uh, Jim Furyk 12 to 1. But I should note, top tens you don't get nearly mm-hmm. as good of odds. Everyone in the field has sixteen or sixteen to one or better odds to finish top ten. Right. They're not just handing out money on top ten bets. So uh, can't get this to load right now. Whenever I, I can, I'll I'll let you know for sure. Was as soon as I say that eighteen to one. Will Zalatoros
2: tied for fourth best odds with Paul Casey. I, that I, the guy who's won who won just across the pond a couple of a uh, couple weeks ago. I think I think he'd be a decent guy to pick. I, like I say, he's got to win at some point. It, it may be this week, but if not, he he would be another guy to look at. But for my official. A one and done pick. I'm running out. Sam Burns.
1: Absolutely, I love it. And gentlemen, I, I just have to really commend myself. I, I just want to talk about how brave I am because a, a lot of guys can make a lot of picks and go into the weekend pretty stress free. Is and he then, about to pick Phil? And then some guys, some guys pick Jason Day. Oh! And, and, and some people run Jason Day out, in their one and done. And I am, I, I am brave enough to do that. <laughs> I am brave enough to run Jason Day out. I feel like Michael Scott, whenever he, he says it takes a big man to make his mistake, and I'm that big man. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, the
0: logic might be there on that Colby, though. He's a course like, horse. Well, he's a horse for the course, and plus, it you might want to pick Day in a tournament with a weaker field. You might want to pick him in a tournament where he has the third best odds.
1: And where nobody else is going to pick him, because it's going to be cold, and he's coming off uh, back-to-back missed cuts. I mean, there might be a reason nobody else is going to pick him, but... I don't know. I just There'll be people that feeling. pick him. I
2: think there will I be two, but just not among us. Yeah, besides <laughs> yourself. I mean the, the only reason that I wouldn't like Dave Colby I mean obviously with the back injuries, but Mist Cut Waste Management, Mr. Cut, the farmers, and then uh, Kepko was coming off three miscuts. Missed missed cut. I've been inspired by Brooks Kepka. So so what Kepka does that just translates on to everyone. hundred percent, right? yes. Hey, who knows? You may, be, you may be right. You may be right. Oh hey,
1: Kepka, former number one player in the world coming off missed Cuts wins. Jason Day, former number one player in the world coming off missed Cuts wins. And, you know,
2: I'm sure they have tens of other similarities. Hey, if you're so confident you got your computer right there, let me see you punch a bed in on him then. <laughs> on
1: Jason Day? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. His odds are bad, though. I can really get the one and done, because I don't want to run anybody yeah. out good in oh, the one you, well, see, He's 20-1, hey, to one, and he's uh, probably going to withdraw. Colby, Colby's hoping for that. <laughs> so you're
2: picking a one and
0: <laughs> done. Col- Colby's hoping for that Jason Day-Jordan-Speed uh, pairing on Sunday. By the way. Could you imagine the complaining oh, in that game? Oh, my Lord.
1: <laughs> wow. That if would... Jason Day wins this tournament. I'm going to be beyond insufferable next month. <laughs> it's just going to be the victory lap of all victory laps if Jason Day wins this tournament. Uh, all right, so yeah, so local guys. Uh, Sam, you've got Ricky Fowler with the local guys. Taylor, you've got Alex Noren. I've got Christopher Ventura, one and done picks. I've got Jason Day because I'm either a genius or an idiot. There's no in between. <laughs> Taylor, you've got Sam Burns. Sam, you have Francesco Molinari. DraftKings lineups are in.
2: Fellas, I think we're ready for some golf. we miss anything today? Unless we have more withdrawals like DJ did and some of the other players, I think everything should be set. And um, like like I said, we're not having Monterey this year, which is traditionally the easiest one of the two, so maybe might elevate those um, upper echelon players a little bit. Um, The the Jason Days of the world. And and
0: and (laughs) another nice thing this year is we don't have to hear Nick Saban talk about Alabama winning the national championship before he hits his tee shot again. Oh, Oh,
2: no. And here, one quick question before we get out of here. I'm scrolling down here looking at the bottom list of people in the field. Would you rather have John Daly or David Duvall win this tournament? Mm, John Daly? No. John Daly, absolutely. Neither? (laughs) How can you say neither? Neither. Neither. I can think of about a hundred other names
1: I'd rather win it before one of those two. Oh, man. John. Well,
2: why are you such a hater, bro? I, those guys have had their
1: time. That's B- Big nah.
0: John battling cancer. Could you imagine the story of I John Daly? battling
1: cancer? Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Duvall had Vertigo. He had all kinds of stuff. Former I'm number fine. one in the give, world. Give me Duvall, Come on. You're going <laughs> to have sympathy for Spieth and you're going to have sympathy for my mind David Duvall. Come give on. Colby, quit being okay. a hypocrite. It'd be cool, but there's a lot of winners that would be cool. Just because you don't like Duvall's commentary on Golf Channel doesn't mean you can't root for the guy. Come on.
1: Yeah, but I mean, these are guys who don't have careers in front of them. If, like, if Christopher That's why Ventura, it would be cool for them to win. If Christopher Ventura is coming down the stretch with John Daly or David Duvall, I'm be rooting for Ventura because he's ri- got a career in front of him. He needs exemptions. <laughs>
2: why were you rooting for Stricker last week then? I don't
1: know. <laughs> I, I like Stricker. Stricker's cool.
2: Yeah.
1: Also, I mean, he was going against Kepka and... And mostly Kepka, yeah,
2: it's it's different, Tyler, it's different. Colby, your logic's falling apart right in front of us. Yeah,
1: this seems like a really good time to wrap up today's show. (laughs) We appreciate everybody listening. Go check us out, the73rdhole.com on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, 73rd Hole, at Sam Humphreys34, on Twitter, at T underscore Williams101, at Colby J. Powell. Those are our personal Twitter accounts as well, where we tweet about the golf and have some fun. Big news coming next week. Big announcement. Make sure you stay tuned for all that. On Monday. Some exciting things happening on Monday. You're You're going to want to listen to that show. We appreciate everyone being with us. We're back next week with more 73rd Hole.